Welcome back to the podcast. We're here for episode eight. I do apologize for the um, lack of posting new episodes recently. I took a uh, little bit of a hiatus, uh, one might say. I just felt like I was running out of uh, new content to give you guys, and uh, I was starting to feel kind of redundant. A lot of the episodes seemed to kind of be the same thing over and over and over again with no real uh, news or updates or anything. So took a bit of a break to kind of reset my brain and focus on some other things, some other marketing um, that I've been starting. Um, so we're finally back. We got episode eight today. I'm going to try and keep it around that 15 to 20 minute mark like all of the other episodes, but we'll see how it goes. I'm feeling kind of chatty today. So uh, maybe a little bit longer. Hopefully you can listen to this on your uh, commute home this Friday or uh, maybe you're cleaning the house or doing something fun like that, and you just need somebody to keep you company. Hopefully, you'll listen to this and uh, get some good knowledge out of it. We're going to be covering some uh, mortgage rates and everything. I've been talking to a few of my clients that um, you know the main concern for them seems to be the higher rates and everything. So I've added a bit of historical context for us to go over today, um, dating back to the early 2000s, because I feel like that's fairly relevant rather than trying to um, you know, dip into the super inflated 1981 levels. Um, then I've got some buyer myths from people that I've heard recently um, at open houses and whatnot. Uh, just a quick market update for you. And then some uh, construction and development updates. I also made a new uh, introduction song for this uh, podcast. And I think it's going to be the one that we use going forward. It's a little bit shorter. For those of you that don't know, um, I actually do um, produce all of the songs that I use in these episodes and everything. And I edit them all of my all on my own. Um, I really love doing that sort of thing. It's kind of a side project for me, a little bit of a hobby. Um, so it's it's interesting. I love you know kind of messing around and, and seeing what I can do. Anyways, uh, with that being said, let's try and get straight into it. to the podcast. Oh, goodness. It's been a while. I do apologize for the uh, hiatus once again, but that's the last time I'm going to mention it because we are getting back into it and I don't want this to be um, an apology episode. So I told you all that we're going to talk about mortgage rates where they're at currently in some historical context for you um, dating back to the early 2000s because that feels like uh, that wasn't that long ago. I was but a toddler in the uh, early 2000s, but that still is relevant. Um, so last I checked, which was about 30 minutes ago, rates are at about 6.67% on a 30-year loan at about 6% even on a 15-year loan. Um, and this week marks the third week that rates have dropped um, consistently. So in the last three weeks, they have been trending downwards, which is great. Um, rates are down about a quarter of a percent, half a percent maybe from where they were at in November and December of last year, which was kind of the peak of everything. But with that being said, I wanted to talk about kind of the historical context of where we're at in the grand scheme of things, because, um, you know, I would say 85% of the conversations that I have with potential clients, with just friends and family, 
um, or other industry professionals revolves around this idea that interest rates are super high. And everybody's kind of got their own um, opinion on the matter, so I'm going to give you mine. Um, I don't think that the position we're in is necessarily a bad one, honestly. Um, if we look back into the early 2000s, um, you know, rates were around 8% or so, so a little bit higher than what we're at, but they did drop down, um, I believe in 2006, they were in the mid threes, maybe the fours. Um, and then we all know what happened in 2008. We had the Great Recession when, um, you know, kind of the financial systems collapsed and um, we had to redo a lot of our mortgage lending uh, structure, I guess. And so rates were kind of haywire for a while, but honestly, um, they've kind of hovered around this 6.57% mark for the last 20, 20 years or so. Um, you know, dipping down here and there into the fours and fives and everything. And then obviously in 2021, we had the lowest recorded interest rates ever. Um, and I think that that really spoiled a lot of people's opinions on interest rates as a whole, especially because it gave opportunity to so many new buyers that were not able to afford financing previously. Um, you know, they looked at that 2.8% rate and that's, you know, that's basically free money that the, the bank is lending you. 2.8% um, is literally nothing on an interest rate, but uh, people got accustomed to that very, very quickly. Um, and I think it kind of spoiled the attitude towards the historical context of mortgage rates. So, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s and everything, rates were a little bit higher than they are now. Not by much, but they were higher. Um, and so where we're at currently uh, with this 6.67% rate is honestly, I would say normal, quote unquote. Um, it's a very normal rate. Um, it's not really driving the market right now. That's not the driving force of the um, still crazy market that we're in. A lot of that has to do with the fact that inventory is still at an all-time low. Uh, but they do go hand in hand, um, you know, because inventory is so low and like 95% of borrowers refinance their loans into these 2.8% rates. Um, we've got a lot of people that want to hold on to that rate and don't want to let go of that 3%, that 2.8%, whatever it may be. Um, and so it is interesting to kind of see the general market's attitude towards this 6.5, 6.7% um, rate and everything. So I don't know. It's interesting uh, for sure. I'm a little bit tired of talking about it, but it is my job, um, <laughs> you know. There's a lot of people that want to know what's going on, but I, I don't have the magic formula for it all. According to the National Association of Realtors, NAR, they think that uh, rates are going to continue dropping throughout this year. And by the time we get into 2024, they're expected to be in the low or mid fives. So I think things are going to you know turn around. But again, adding some historical context, anytime rates have kind of peaked. Um, there's been about a 10 year correctional period where they came back down. And so this isn't going to happen overnight. You know, we're not going to have these 6.6% rates turn into 3% rates next month. 
it's a market for people that, um, you know, they more or less have to move, whether they got a new job, they're upsizing for family reasons, they're downsizing because kids moved out, whatever it may be. The people that are currently moving um, and are the current buyers in this market are doing so out of necessity more than um, convenience, I would say. And so it's, uh, it's interesting. I think the... I don't even know how to word this, but I think that um, people buying a home in this current market need to kind of look at this as a five to 10 year um, investment. Um, You know, it's not going to be a quick turnaround or anything like that. If you're buying a home right now, look at it um, through the lens of five to 10 years or so, um, and things might look a little bit more positive for you. A lot of the issue is that... um, you know, like I said, people got used to that three, 3% rate, but also prices are still higher than they were historically. Um, a lot of that has to do with inflation in the market and everything, but a lot of it is appreciation as well. Um, in a, in a healthy economy, there's going to be appreciation. Um, and here in Dallas specifically, we've historically had about six to 8% appreciation year over year. Um, and so, People that are you know kind of on the fence about buying right now, I think that that's one of the one of the you know most important factors that you could take into consideration is the fact that uh, prices are not coming down anytime soon. You know you can look at it from every which way, and there's nothing to support the fact that there is a bubble, you know, so to speak. A lot of people like to throw that word around, but. I kind of think that it's fear mongering. Um, you know, if you look at basic economics, it's all driven by supply and demand. And right now we have no supply. Um, even if everybody put their house on the market right now, we are still short 400,000 homes. So it takes a long time to build that many houses. Um, and until that catches up, uh, we're still going to have this low supply, this low inventory driving that demand further and further. So I don't know. It's interesting, the semantics of it all. Um, get messy really quick. And I think, you know, it's a fairly uh, politicized topic to kind of go over. But, um, you know, no matter what your standing is, there are hard facts out there that kind of support that the market that we're in is the market we're in. And that, and that's just the reality of the situation. Um, you know, prices are not going to be coming down anytime soon because that would require essentially a total economic meltdown and at that point, buying a home is probably going to be um, pretty far down the list of concerns, if I had to guess, uh, for a lot of people. So it's, I don't know, it's a weird situation for sure. But um, the market here in Dallas, at least, is still incredibly uh, competitive, I would say. Um, there's multiple offers. I see them all the time. Multiple offers still going over asking price um, and homes that are not going for over asking are still selling at 95% list price, which is, you know, incredibly high still. So you got to factor in all those sort of things when you're thinking about buying a home. Um, If the interest rate is scaring you off, the interest rate is more or less one of the easier problems to fix uh, when it comes to buying a home. Um, You know, you can refinance, especially if everybody um, and all these big organizations are predicting that rates are going to continue dropping um, into the fives and everything like that, you know, come down a percent and a half, you can always refinance. And um, a lot of the lenders that I partner with, 
Um, I try and partner with lenders that offer different products, different programs, um, and different incentives for people to give them the opportunity to, um, you know, kind of shop around, see what fits them the best. Um, and there's a few of my lenders that have programs right now where if you buy a home, um, you know, by the end of the year, by December 31st of 2023, they will uh, cover your refinance costs up until I think it's December 31st, 2025. So it gives you uh, kind of a two-year cushion to where if you need to refinance or you can refinance because rates have dropped, um, you know, we've got programs to where the, 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 the cost of refinancing is uh, minimal. You know, it, it's a lot of them will give a credit up to, I think, I, I think the latest I saw was $1,650 maybe. Um, but you know, somewhere around that 1500 to $2,000 mark. Um, and they're going to give you, uh, essentially a credit on that and make that cost of refinancing very low or free, even depending on the size of your loan. Um, and so that's a great tool to take advantage of, uh, you know, if you're buying a home right now and you get a 6.5% rate, let's say you've got good credit, you get a 6.5% rate. July 2025 rolls around and rates are down into the low fives again. Why not refinance, um, you know, and, and get that cost covered for you, especially if a lot of these lenders have programs that are that are doing that for you. I think a lot of people um, that are kind of coming into this market, especially first time home buyers, it's overwhelming. You know, there's news from every source and imaginable. Um, and a lot of the media is going to be fear mongering and kind of telling you all of the worst things almost. Um, but honestly, that's where the kind of the professional part of my job comes in. It's my job to inform people and to help them understand what resources we have available for them to make home buying not only easy from a technical standpoint of let's go look at a home, put an offer and get under contract and close on it, but the kind of aftercare effects of that, um, you know, connecting them with good vendors and good mortgage um, officers that are going to have these programs available. And one of the myths that I'm hearing right now from buyers is that the market is just too expensive um, and that they don't have an opportunity to get into it. And that kind of goes back into my previous point of the people that are moving right now um, are doing so out of necessity more so than uh, opportunity. And so if you find yourself in a spot where you have to move, definitely talk to a professional. You can talk to me, um, certainly, and I'll get you connected with the right people. But um, a lot of my lenders that have these programs for refinancing also have programs for down payment assistance, or, um, you know, you can go as low as 3% down on a conventional loan if you've got uh, strong credit and strong employment history, everything like that. So uh, it kind of takes out the 20% down payment myth. Obviously, there's going to be a couple um of fees that kind of go hand in hand with that um, insurance, most likely private mortgage insurance, PMI, if you're putting less than 20% down, but that goes away once you hit 20% equity, um, you know, in your, in your property and everything like that. So there are definitely programs for people of all walks of life that are, um, you know, designed to help you and put you at an advantage um, in this market specifically. Um, one of the other things I wanted to talk about, let's see here, I'm just checking my notes real quick. Um, covered the bubble, covered competition, 
the expenses of everything. Um, yeah, one of the other things that people are talking about is that the market is unsustainable in its current state. Um, and again, if we go back to basic economic models, it's supply and demand. Um, and right now we have literally no supply. Um, the inventory is super, super low. So any amount of demand um, and just by the nature of people, there's going to be demand. Like I said, a lot of these people that are moving, having kids, kids are moving out, um, you know, anything like that creates this natural demand with the amount of inventory that we currently have this demand is enough to kind of sustain this and support the um the the prices and the current supply and everything and kind of keep this come like more competitive um market you know in, in good standing i would say um that's not the best way to word it but it's kind of the best way i can explain it um and you know going back to the point i made earlier about holding for five or ten years I think that, um, you know, if, if you're planning on buying a home, whatever it may be, look at it through the lens um, that it's a long-term investment. If the opportunity comes around where prices, you know, shoot back up and rates drop way, 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 way low again, fantastic. You're at an advantage already, but, um, you know, chances are that in five to 10 years, the economy is going to be in a little bit more of a stable state. Rates will have come down, um, and you'll be able to kind of pull out that equity that you have gained in your home. And that's a huge tool that I think, um, you know, like I said, there's so many different facets to buying a house. Um, and it's almost overwhelming to think of. And that's why, you know, I have to get, I have to get licensed in all of this. I have to have continuing education. We have meetings at the office, um, all the time where we're covering these things and going over all of these programs, these advantages, these, um, you know, positives to buying a home. Equity is a really big one. Um, you know, if you've been a long-term renter, um, or you've never owned a home before, never been in a position to own a home, equity is an incredibly important tool. And it's a very powerful tool, um, because it allows you to do a lot of things. And so, um, you know, the biggest hurdle to buying a home is getting in your first one. And then from there on out, you've got equity working for you. You've got appreciation working for you. And I've said it and I'll say it again, but time in the market is way more valuable than timing the market. I think that's a very common sentiment. Um, a lot of financial advisors will tell you that, especially with investments and everything. Um, and when you buy a home, it is an investment, honestly. Um, you know, it's an investment in your personal life, but it's also a monetary investment where you're looking at holding this asset for five to 10 years and you're, you know, putting equity into it. You're pulling equity out of it when you go to sell it, um, everything like that. Uh, quick market update for you, I guess, um, for anything that I haven't covered so far. Prices are down overall, um, and that's driving a lot of this demand. Uh, but the demand is kind of being curbed by the higher interest rates. Like I said, NAR just, um, expects rates to continue dropping into the fives in um, 2024. And then, um, you know, with that hand in hand, it expects prices to start to come back up. Um, and in the grand scheme of things, I don't mean to oversimplify the um, economics of home buying or the current market situation. Cause there's, like I said, so many, um, different variables that kind of go into it, um, on a level that not even I can 
understand every facet. You know, it's it's hundreds of things that kind of influence these. Um, but, you know, when rates come down, prices come down, then uh, demand shoots back up. Um, as we've got more supply and everything, you know, demand will come down a little bit. Prices will come down a little bit. But until that happens, we're going to be in the exact same spot. Um, I had somebody reach out. Actually, I posted on Facebook and I asked anybody um, for topics that they want to be covered. Buyer myths was a big one um, that they wanted to be covered. Uh, the historical context of mortgage rates was another one. That's why we kind of start off with that. Um, but another one is investment opportunities. Um, and even in this market, there are investment opportunities. It's going to be a little bit more beneficial if you've got cash reserves on hand. It's going to um, you know kind of set you up for that cash flow more immediately, I would say, um, if you've got cash on hand. But it is possible to do this with financing. Um, I actually just had a buddy, Zach Vegas, up in um, St. Louis, Missouri, who um, he just bought an investment house with Section 2 financing. And essentially what that is, is that you are paying the seller their net profit target. Um, say they want to make $50,000 on a house, you are paying that to them, and then you're assuming their loan. Um, which right now is a great, great tool to use um, if you are, if it's applicable for you. Um, because essentially what you're doing is you're paying the seller, you know, their target profit, and then you're assuming a loan, which um, is 99% uh, most likely going to have a very low interest rate. So I think he got his interest rate at 2.8%. Um, you know, paid that seller their target profit. I don't know what it was specifically, but um, I know that he got his interest rate at 2.8% because he essentially assumed their loan um, for them and allowed that seller to exit the property, um, you know, while still getting their target profit goal. So that's another one um, that I wanted to cover was just some investment opportunities. It's going to take a little bit of creative financing and everything. Um, and when it comes to investments in real estate, uh, very often is it going to be a creative situation rather than a conventional one? You know, obviously, if conventional financing works for your situation, that's fantastic. That's great. But uh, more often than not, I would say you got to get a little bit creative with these sort of things in order to uh, really maximize the benefit of um, your investment opportunity. Um, and that comes, you know, full circle back to equity and everything. Obviously, cash flow is great. Um, but essentially the benefit of cash flow, you know, unless you have a hundred houses or a hundred doors, as we would say, you know, you could buy a multifamily property for, with five doors on it. Um, but unless you've got, you know, a hundred doors, you're not going to be making hand over fist on this thing. But essentially, um, you know, in an ideal world, you want to be cash flowing, enough to cover any expenses or anything on that property. Obviously, you want to end the month on a positive. You want to end in the green. Um, but if you can come out on top three, $400 a month, then essentially you can just stock that away, put that in savings and everything. But what you're really getting out of that situation is you are now holding an asset that A, is not costing you any money. It's making a little bit of money, but it's not costing you any money. Um, and B, it is appreciating. Um, and that goes back into that whole equity talk that we just had. 
Um, you know, if that house is appreciating six to eight percent a year and you're holding it for essentially no cost or even a positive, um, you know, ideally, then you are holding an asset that is um, just making you a lot of money in the long term. Um, and I think that that's, you know, the way that we need to be looking at these sort of things in the current state of this market. It's a long term market right now. Um, I believe that the uh, supply is about three months right now, so supply has gone up a tiny bit, but um, as I've spoken about in previous episodes, um, a balanced market is six months of supply, so we're still very much um, geared towards a seller's market right now. Um, Last thing I want to cover is just some construction and development kind of updates and everything. Um, North Texas um, is continuing to expand at um, an exponential rate. So is uh, Forney. Forney is growing like crazy right now. I would say it's probably the most popular city on my list for clients right now is going to be Forney um, and kind of out that way off Highway 80. So there's a bunch of... Uh, bunch of big stores coming up there. I believe Tom Thumb is building a couple locations um, in Forney right now. And um, up north in uh, Anna, which is past Frisco and McKinney and everything, um, there are apartment complexes being built left and right. I was just reading through, um, you know, Dallas Morning News and kind of going over everything. And um, there's a couple big... um, apartment rental communities going up there. So uh, one of the other things that I've been reading about lately that kind of makes me laugh is um, everyone's joking about how Frisco has become such a hub lately that the uh, F in DFW is soon going to stand for Frisco. So instead of having DFW, we'll have DFFW. It'll be Dallas, Frisco, Fort Worth um, because it's just experienced an insane amount of growth in the last um, five or 10 years. Um, But I thought that was kind of funny. You know, it'd be it'd be interesting to see, um, you know, like a name change and everything, uh, if that came to fruition and see if we can't get Frisco included on that, because it is such a, um, it's, I would say it's almost a city of its own rather than a suburb at this point, you know, it's, it's growing exponentially and it's, um, you know, gotten pretty big. So that's pretty much I have, uh, that's pretty much everything I have for you guys. Today, I just wanted to get back into this, kind of get back into the saddle a little bit and uh, resume podcasting. I'm going to try and do this every uh, week as I was doing before, but like I said, there's not always exciting news or anything um, to kind of cover. So it might be that we restructure kind of the content of this rather than the schedule of this and we do... Um, you know, more real estate focused every other week. And then in between, we just kind of have little sessions where we talk. I'm going to see if I can't, you know, get a few more um, interviews and everything. You know, I had that interview with Cashflow Capital Club and Ryan Byrne with his wife, Dr. Francesca Byrne, not too long ago. So it'd be interesting to do some more interviews and everything. I really enjoy doing that. Um, You know, it makes me feel like a true professional when I interview somebody um, because that is, very interesting kind of dynamic, I would say. And it is interesting to hear their perspective on things as well. So maybe we'll shoot for that. I don't know. Um, One of the other exciting updates that I have for this uh, podcast is that starting next week, I will be 
uh, recording all of these podcasts with video and I'll be posting them to uh, my YouTube channel. So as soon as that gets up and running, I will let you know um, that YouTube channel is also going to include home tours, city tours, um, suburbs, kind of walk arounds, interviews, things like that. So I've got some big plans for that this year. I'm getting a little studio built out right now. So that's super exciting. Um, and as soon as that is live, I will let you guys know. I'm going to post it all over Facebook and Instagram and everything. So um, as soon as we've got that in full function, I will let you know. But that's all I've got for today. I hope you guys have been doing great. Um, you know, Again, sorry that it's been so long. I hope you're doing great. I hope that you have a fantastic weekend and a great rest of your Friday. I will talk to you guys and you will see me next week.